Here we go. All right, it's that time again. It's Friday afternoon. We're actually doing this slightly earlier than usual, just so everyone knows. It just it felt right to get this out a little earlier because it's something that's been coming up all week. But welcome, folks, to another Nudge Coach Happy Hour on the Nudgecast. Mac, how's it going this Friday? Well, it's been challenging. I give me give me like twenty five seconds to rant here. So, as you all know, we always do an Instagram live before we record, and it's just kind of a fun way to talk about kind of what what we're actually going to cover in this during this episode. And I woke up this morning and the Instagram uh, app had updated and had totally reshuffled things around and I didn't think much of it. And then we go to start the live session and I swear to you, I spent 10 minutes. I cannot find anywhere on this app to go live. So I don't know if they have just revoked my privileges or if this is something other people see too. So I throw it out there to the audience. If anyone knows what's going on, I'm going to keep doing research. But so luckily, Phil was on an older version of the uh, app and was able to start it. But man, threw me in a loop, threw me in a loop. Amazing. And, and just so everyone else knows, this was much more than a 25 second rant just a minute ago before we turned this on. Oh, <laughs> so. yeah. I condensed the 15 minute rant into a 20 second rant for the episode. Just if, if anyone out there works for Instagram, just know that Mac <laughs> does not approve today. Well, it, and it's, I even, funny enough, I even Googled Instagram help to go through their support docs and the instructions they even have on their website of where to go live does not align with the app I have on my phone. So, oops, luckily it's the weekend. So I'll recover. Listen, I, I want to be judgmental, but at the same time, I know how easy it is to misalign the tiniest thing on a rollout of a new some software so no joke man the funny <laughs> part about this though is they added a shopping cart into instagram as a primary speaking of like software methodologies and like interface design they put a shopping cart as one of the main navigation buttons which i don't know i mean yes people buy from like ads on instagram but i don't know how often people are like i'm just going to go shopping and open the instagram app i could be completely wrong about that though um, I, you'd have to be inside the, the HQ probably at Facebook to really have insight on what, what's going on there, yeah. but a lot of, a lot of changes lately in groups and, and now Instagram and they sure as hell have something in mind. Something in mind exactly outside my pay grade, outside yeah. my pay grade. No doubt about it. Or above okay. my pay grade, but I guess so, that's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. Um, so back to what we were talking about this week that, just kind of stuck in our heads as something we should we should dig into again on this episode. So we were talking to Matt Essex, who's a, a co-worker, uh, advisor, uh, all around kind of uh, insightful dude who, who has been helping us for a long time um, earlier this week and recorded a session on it and just wanted to dig in ourselves on the value of asynchronous communication what it is first of all asynchronous is a big scary word i don't know mm -hmm. why we don't have a smaller word for this we should invent one today though asynchronous communication synchronous communication the value the two how they fit into programs etc cetera, etc cetera. we're going to dig into this how to use it in your in your programs um so let's unpack it well first of all i, I, I did this on the instagram live so i don't want to skip it 
by asynchronous. So synchronous, we mean anytime that you're going to be there in the same place at the same time requires you to both be there like Mac and I are doing right now. We had to schedule this to schedule both this. show up at the same time. What uh, time do I join your Zoom? That's yeah. how I'm down. Yeah. That's synchronous. Asynchronous would be like, hey, I sent you a Slack message. You could see that and respond in the future. Or I send you a text message. When convenient. See that, respond in the future. Respond when convenient. Yeah. Um, so obviously, just right off its head, you can understand how asynchronous communication could increase convenience uh, for everyone involved, save people time. But what does it take to use that effectively? When do you use it effectively? Those are the questions we need to dig in on. Yeah, because it, it really is a balance. And I think that's maybe the first thing I would kind of just throw out there from thinking about the different initiatives we've worked on is I think 100% of either doesn't work really well. I'll kind of start there and say, hey, look, the, the extremes, not ideal in either, mm-hmm. in either situation. I think it really does come down to the right blend of the two. And I know Matt kind of threw out the 80-20, which I agree, I think most of life falls into the 80-20 rule, that I think when you're first starting an initiative, 80-20, synchronous, asynchronous, meaning like putting more emphasis on the in-person the connection, the building rapport, so on and so forth in the opening weeks. I think once you've done that, and if you've done it well, the quicker I think you can shift that more 80-20 towards asynchronous, because think about the relationship in the way you communicate with like your best friends and your family. You may not see them in person very often. Maybe a lot of your communication is just text and email and Instagram messages and so on and so forth. You don't have to have the phone calls as much when you already have so much of a relationship already built. So that was kind of, I feel like one of the things that 80-20 rule I thought was really, was uh, really appropriate. That's a great place to start because I think um, it kind of helps to, if you can create a sort of paint a picture in your head always helps me to paint a picture in my head. If I imagine this continuum, right? And there's all all synchronous on one side and all asynchronous on the other. We're just moving moving the bar somewhere, right? Moving the bar. Um, at, at different parts of, of the coaching relationship. And yeah, what you point out first here is probably the first and most important lesson and rule is upfront, you have to invest the time through things like these asynchronous, or excuse me, synchronous communications. This is why I think we need to change the language. On we need it new words. It's too easy to flip flop or switch it up a little bit. So, yep, yep. Yep. The point is you need to have some face time, uh, spend some time together to earn that trust, to make mm-hmm. sure there's, there's commitment shown. You show that you understand that person, you hear them. They have a face to, to recognize, to empathize with, Um, and they've really kind of seen what you're all about, then you've kind of earned the trust that you can then safely transition to more and more asynchronous communication over time. And things can get really scalable from there. But the thing to be wary about is jumping in too soon to just asynchronous communication for sure. It's, it's, man, I can think of an initiative we worked on really early on, probably four years ago at this point. And granted, I, I would say our implementation has changed significantly since then because a lot of the lessons we've learned from our partners seeing kind of struggle in different ways as they've tried to kind of launch remote models. But I can think of one specifically, and I won't say the group, but um, they were making connections to between coaches and clients um, basically com- completely in a passive manner where the person onboarding the user wasn't even the coach that that the the, uh, client would be working with. So coming into the experience, these individuals are being connected with a coach 
and there is zero relationship in place between these two. I mean, at, at that point, you're almost just having, you have to have faith that that's a real person on the other end, because that could completely just be a chat bot. And I think that is a great example of the extreme of if you don't have that trust or understand that that's a real person and you're accountable to a real person, you're not going to get very far in terms of engagement. Yeah. I, God, it's so important. I mean, you can really, I think you can put yourself in the shoes of the client that Mac is referring to there though. Um, Just imagining jumping into a session cold um, or just trying to, I don't know, um, just trust that this random text message that you got is, Mm -hmm. is from someone that is worth responding to. I mean, think about the marketing, for example, a marketing Mm -hmm. text message that you got from something did you respond to it? Did you curse out yeah. loud when you saw it? How did you react to it? Um, I, even as someone who knows how this all works and knows the ins and outs of it, I have kind of a knee-jerk reaction to text-based marketing when it gets sent to me, even when I know it's coming. Um, it's a little bit much for me. And I think the reason that text-based communication, short message-based communication is actually really valuable and doable specifically for coaches is that it's such a relationship-based thing. Um, And so you have the opportunity to earn that trust before one of these is ever sent. Mm -hmm. And there's a connection there that's deeper than in, in, for example, a a marketing campaign where there's just a thousand texts going out to a group of people and you might not have the relationship there. Uh, yet, because I mean, it's just hard to have a relationship with a brand on the same level as yeah. you do with a coach. Is you know? it, I, it's something about, so I think about those people I text with versus those I email with. Cause I, I do feel like text message is a much warmer form of asynchronous communication versus email. And I can actually think a lot of our partners that I work with on the, on the weight label front, now that I think about it, I actually do have text-based relationships with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I think about when I receive it, it text, you know, when you do to your point, receive a text message from someone you just don't know for some reason, because I don't know if it's because it's more instant versus an e- you know, email just feels like, Hey, I'll get to it later. It's I'm not expected to be the connected 24 seven, but I feel like if I get a text message, no matter what time of day it is, I'm kind of expected to pay attention to it. And there is something about receiving something like that from someone you don't know. And it, it does, I think it rubs everybody the wrong way. I, I don't know what it is, but there's a huge difference between text and email in receiving a message from someone you don't know through text just feels icky. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. It's the, the advantage and, and the disadvantage are sort of the same in a weird way. Yeah. It's, it's more personal. It feels more personal, that style of communication. Um, at least a text message does to me, certainly, mm-hmm. um, because it's things something that you do with your close friends, right? Um, but at the same time, so that's a good thing if you know the person, trust the person, that it's a good thing that it's more personal if you've kind of invested up front and have that relationship. But it's a bad thing if you jump into it before that relationship mm-hmm. is in place. So... I thought Brittany had some great sound bites on the podcast we did with her. So we, we had Brittany Kennedy from on point nutrition on the podcast, I guess earlier this week, which hey, that episode will probably come out in the next few weeks, but I thought she touched on some things that were just dynamite t- talking about, and it sounds so basic, just thinking about like, how would you text your, you know, how would you be de- texting a friend and putting yourself in the shoes of how you typically would be texting and interacting with friends and family 
think about like those unwritten rules you follow, right? You don't necessarily, you don't text your most of your friends every single day or multiple times a day. Like that's, that's usually overkill. And I thought there were some really nice learnings from that, of that balancing act of frequency, the types of messages. And it is one of those things I think we encounter pretty regularly where some coaches who are first getting into this idea of online remote coaching, I think do sometimes struggle because they're almost feeling like they have to overcompensate for the fact that they're not in person, not face-to-face. So they're sending these incredibly long messages or completely peppering clients with messages. And that's just not the right way to do it. Right. <laughs> uh, we see this in our, our platform a lot. So you, you think about inside nudge communication is happening inside an app, very SMS like very text messaging like. Um, so you could imagine a coach who's maybe a, let's say they're a dietitian or some type mm-hmm. of practitioner could get a little too educationy uh, and dump a thousand word, basically text message on, on someone. Yep. And, and nothing is scarier looking than a block of text that stretches out beyond the screen. Brittany actually mentioned that specifically. It's like, yep. if the block of text extends beyond the screen, you have definitely gone too far. Gone too far. Pump the brakes. <laughs> Pump the brakes. There. And, you know, we've always talked about it as even shorter than that, right? Like length of a tweet. Let's focus really on what you want to get out of it. What's your intention here? Ask a question, engage this person somehow. Um, and, and that's re- really the kind of sweet spot you want to be in versus really just dumping mm-hmm. uh, like a blog post into a, a, an asynchronous touch point. Yeah. It's in what's, like I said, what's so funny is we all, like if you were just, if we were sitting down at a table with, you know, and, and we're thinking about how we communicate with friends, with family, like these are things you would say like, oh yeah, I hate getting long emails. I hate when you, you know, someone texts you 25 times a day, everyone would be on board with these concepts, but it's like, as soon as you take a coach and put them into remote coaching environment or remote coaching mode, I'll call it, it's kind of like all best practices go out the window. And I think it's an insecurity. I really do. I think it's an insecurity. And I think it's something where it's, it is, it's a fear of not properly engaging in, 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 yeah, fear, fear of not giving a client what they're paying for and getting the value. And so I think it is, just, Hey, thinking length of messages and frequency of messages, that's the measuring stick. And it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think if we're really honest with ourselves and even within the coaching context, I think Mm -hmm. the most important and impactful questions, comments you can have for someone tend to be something you can fit in a really small amount of space. Um, In question marks too. I think that was this is also something I think is overlooked or left out. And I, I, we've all been there. It's like how many conversations I I guarantee it's happened to everyone listening to this, at least once this week where you're texting somebody and then the text conversation kind of dies because someone just responds with, okay, or like a four word text, but there's no question to it. So it's like, well, I don't know how to respond to that. Mm-hmm. This is what, like you, when you're communicating with clients, it's this, the same rules apply. If you're just saying stuff at them and you're not asking a question, you're making it really difficult for people to engage back with you. Yeah. So how would you receive it if you got that, you know, forward, whatever, whatever you're trying to send, how would you receive it? How would you engage with it? What would reciprocity look like for you? How would you respond? These are things to be thinking about, keep it Mm -hmm. short. And, you know, maybe it's not like communicating with your best friends in the style you would do there. No, 
But, you know, another example that um, Brittany gave was like, she doesn't want a text message from her mother every day. It would be great if her mother was just like checking in every now and then. Um, And, you know, there's a certain rhythm that you would want there. In a coaching relationship, you know, you're not the best friend, but you're friendly and can communicate casually in a certain way. Right. And, and so it's finding that, that sweet spot in there. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of their programs there, you know, once they're in past the kind of synchronous stuff, where there's a lot of it um, on the front end, they're making sure these asynchronous touch points are once a week, for example, um, to just keep things going in that direction. But yeah, you don't have to overcompensate as long as you do the upfront up work to seed the engagement, mm-hmm. to invest in the, the relationship. Well, one yeah. thing that was interesting in that conversation too, is she was saying they, and I, I, I feel like this is a common theme. I, I think if we took a step back and think back more of the implementations we work on, different models we hear from our partners, it seems like the weekly message is, I would say the majority kind of stick to that as kind of the rule of thumb with their remote communication. It's And not to say, you know, because when you send that message, that may prompt some organic discussion back and forth. Yes. But I think Important in general, point. as we kind of circle back to the idea of frameworks, I think in general, what we're seeing is that most most kind of communication protocols are one weekly touch point that may, you know, prompt some additional discussion, you know, to accompany any of the synchronous, you know, conversations that may be going on, whether it's Zoom or whether it's in person, whatever that may be. Yeah. So turning it into a framework basically looks like make sure. So if you have a list of clients, make sure I've had at least one touch point with that client within the last seven days. Mm-hmm. And we've checked that box. Hopefully you get some reciprocity out of that message that you're sending out. They respond. It may fuel another uh, couple of, of back and forth. And that's great. That means that, that person is really engaged. Um, but yeah, that's, it's such a, such a sweet spot to get into, but you know, I think we can't say enough the importance of, of the investment up front to make sure that you transition into that smoothly. Otherwise mm-hmm. it's all for not right. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, go ahead. So the other part, and if you had another point on that, I was about to transition. So Transition way. All right. So one thing that I, I want to make sure we don't completely skip, although I definitely love that we, we make a point of trying to get into the, the how as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So there's not a bunch of dead weight on these in these conversations, but a little bit about why asynchronous is such an important part going forward if you want to make anything scalable growth oriented and just make it fit the kind of online digital remote format that um, is really just going to work and be effective long term. Um, Just think quickly about how many times you've had an email back and forth about scheduling something with someone, how many back and forth emails that can take. Mm -hmm. Yes, sometimes it's like, hey, I propose between 10 and two on Friday and it just works that way. But a lot of times you get in those back and forth where it's three, four, five different emails back and forth, then you schedule that half hour or whatever it is that you set aside on your calendar for it and have to move other things around for it. Think about all that time that's bottled up in one synchronous communication. Mm -hmm. And when it gets unbottled into really tight, clean, actionable, asynchronous touch points, little text-based messages that are personalized and relevant to people, then you've saved not only yourself all that time, but more importantly, made the 
the relationship really convenient for that client. You fit into their life really naturally where they don't have to move things around for you on a regular basis. So that's the, the why behind all this, or at least part of it. Um, there are certainly other things that you could add to that though. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's a good point because in general, you know, convenience is obviously an important part, I think, of programming as well. It's like weighing that in terms of how much you're actually asking from for or asking for from your client. Um, I think it's something to be thinking about, especially if you're you're trying to engage someone for a longer period of time, is just being conscientious of that from a standpoint of the amount of synchronous versus asynchronous events. And like we said, as you get further along the relationship, you don't have to necessarily meet in person as frequently. And I do think there's actually almost a value to limiting the amount of, you know, the synchronous events because the amount of work required, you know, whether it's, as you mentioned, scheduling or just showing up. Um, I think for some people that's overwhelming. So if you were saying, Hey, look, I, I was expected to show up in person or to a zoom multiple times a week for six months. I mean, it's a pretty big time commitment. You're, I mean, you know, yeah. people are paying you money for it but just the time commitment alone. So there's almost a benefit. And I think that's maybe something that's overlooked sometimes is people assume more FaceTime, more value. And I think to an extent that's sometimes the case, but I almost feel like it gets to a point where almost it's the inverse. It's almost like a bell curve. Like I think there's yeah. an optimal amount, but once you go beyond that, I would actually argue it's less convenient and it's actually, you, you, you're not providing necessarily the value and you're almost kind of wasting people's time a little bit. Yeah, it's it's the script does get flipped a little bit um, once you've established that relationship, and so much of the value of of coaching someone remotely, mm -hmm. this this kind of special sauce, the added value of it is the ability to really focus on accountability in between those conversations. I would um, say the stages of relationship, like think about the first, you know, we talked about this last time, kind of the first few weeks is like chapter one, right? You're onboarding them. You're kind of getting them used to everything. I think that's where the synchronous events make so much sense. And then as you transition away from that, you, you kind of need to like change, you know, switch the page of your playbook a little bit once you've kind of gotten to that next chapter. Yep. Yep. And then going forward, if you can find that in your, you know, little short text-based communications, you're able to establish that accountability just through those and keep people on track, interested, engaged. Um, then everybody really wins. I mean, it's a better experience for them, better experience for you. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to worry about that being less valuable. In fact, it's very easy for you to say, hey, listen, one of the great things about how I work with people is that I really value your time and I'm going to help you, even though I'm valuing your time, be mm -hmm. there for you in those in-between times where most of the time a coach isn't. Um, that's so enormously valuable. Here's a question for you, because I think in general, we've probably been looking at this for the past few minutes through the lens of kind of a one-to-one -one coaching model. Uh oh, I'm going to switch it up on you, <laughs> you know, switching it up. So let's think about this from a group perspective. Cause I know group programming is really taking off. I feel like that's been the theme of 2020 from what we have seen has been just the rise of group programming, whether it's cohort model or non-cohort model, but curious to kind of get your thoughts as we're thinking about kind of the synchronous versus asynchronous. Do some of these rules, do you feel like apply in a group setting as well, or is it slightly different? I'd say it hundred percent applies, but here's something that you get to leverage in a group program, definitely depending on how it's structured, mm -hmm. of course, but um, in how I would structure kind of an ideal group program, what you get to leverage additionally, that's a huge bonus to you potentially 
is the peer to peer support element. Um, that if you f- can focus on driving that community and trust me, if you do have a community of people and you want them to stay engaged on the community level, you really have to be conscious about constantly driving that engagement from the top level. But that's kind of where that focus goes and where the asynchronous time can go in terms of making sure that, you know, you're continuously feeding the conversation, Mm -hmm. responding to people, showing that it's a lively place to be, that community. And that can kind of build on itself over time. So you're, again, kind of as you earn that, that trust through engaging at the community level, you can also see kind of the time that you need to put into it space out a little bit. Um, So that's from the community side. I would still say, if you can, and this is obviously much, much easier to do on like a cohort model or like a, a sort of a membership-based model, potentially, mm-hmm. where everybody's in the same place at the same time, um, is have some sort of scheduled synchronous event where you can get your face in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, cohorts are great because they they line up schedule-wise for everybody anyway. That's kind of the pitch in the first place. So you can say, hey, listen, this is how we're kicking things off. We're kicking off with this face-to-face uh, with everybody on this Zoom meeting or whatever it may be. Um, join that. Love to you know answer your questions, jump in mm-hmm. with you, talk more about what we're going to go through together. And even if it's not one-on-one like Mac and I are doing right now, we can earn a lot of trust by speaking to people's problems, addressing their actual concerns up front, setting expectations, but just having a face in front of people and showing that there's someone you can empathize yep. with does so much to break down all those barriers that you're going to have to break down anyway. So you can do that at the group level too. Absolutely. I, I tell the story to people all the time when we're talking about kind of the reasons to get into podcasting or have a YouTube channel, whatever it is. Or struggling to Instagram live because Instagram removes the go live button. <clears throat> not not salt, yeah, not salty about that at all. Um, you know, just talking about I on different occasions I've had this come up, and this is where I really think there is significant value to the FaceTime you're mentioning, is I've had people hop on calls with me and say, and me not knowing it, that hey, I've listened to all your podcast episodes. I feel like I know you. And it's like you can immediately tell their walls come down because they've kind of built this trust with you without you even really knowing it. And it, it just expedites. And I think streamlines the entire relationship in that way. But one thing I did want to circle back with is we're talking about kind of group because I actually think group while there's significant opportunity. And I think there's almost like a, a flywheel effect as you're kind of, once you get it moving, you can rely pretty heavily on the communication of others in the group to kind of help push things along. There's also, I feel like, especially across cohorts or different versions of the group as you're running it, there's an inconsistency because each time you run it, you're going to have different people in it. And I actually argue sometimes that group programming, I think, is actually more difficult in some ways because you don't, it's really hard to account for the types of messaging that are going to be going on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's one thing that, and, and this is actually interesting because of something that just went live yesterday. Before oh, the master. Yeah. 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 So we did, did a recorded a podcast with Kathleen Legris, um, health coach solutions. If you want to check her out, um, she is an awesome, awesome person to learn from. Um, but she was talking about challenges as a way to, um, grow your coaching business as a way to get clients. And why, why I bring this up is basically that when you, when you create a challenge that's aligned with the focus of your program as a way to you know, capture new leads and bring on potential clients, get them all kind of in, in the space together with you, um, 
something like a challenge really, really is focused on a specific thing that aligns all of the clients that are coming in at the same time together. They have kind of that common thread that they're focused on, whatever that challenge is based on. Um, so you have a better sense of the, the type of person that's coming in in that case. And stuff like that, little strategies like that for, for getting all your clients into a group program, for example, mm-hmm. that make sure that they're pretty aligned and have similar needs, interests, similar things are urgent to them right then, uh, similar experience in their lives with different things. Um, the more kind of common threads you can create of that group, if you are doing group coaching program, yep. the easier it's going to be for you to manage it and keep it fresh for everybody. Because, I mean, you just, like you said, you, you really, it's going to be in, an enormous task if everyone is totally on a different page and in a different place. Yeah. And I guess it's in, like I said, tough to account for, I think having that, that theme helps kind of put some controls to it, but I guess there's no real way to account for just a strong-willed, strong-minded person in your, in your group. Yeah. You know, and I guess you're always probably going to have that one person who's going to drive a lot of the conversation, which I think, like I said, can be a real benefit to maybe sometimes help alleviate some of the administrative work on your end to kind of keep the conversation going. Cause I know sometimes we do see organizations that struggle if, you know, they're trying to get a group program of some kind off the ground you know, you're really kind of having to do a lot of the pushing to get the conversation going, especially mm-hmm. if it's in a new channel. Yeah. Um, so kind of kind of interesting as we're looking at that. So it does sound like some common themes, though, as we're thinking about group versus individual type programming, which is good to hear. It sounds like the difference being that you can rely on maybe more scalable types of synchronous events. So you're thinking about doing webinars, which we do see that a lot in kind of maintenance plan, kind of membership mm-hmm. models like post um once you've had a person go through your individual programming, you know, transition everyone to like a maintenance plan where you can be doing like monthly webinars. That's really scalable. You're not having to do quite as much one-to-one stuff at that point. So um, it's good to see that we're kind of seeing the commonalities between the two. Yeah, absolutely. There are definitely some principles here that you can stick to that are common threads, whether it's group or personal. Um, The way we would put it, humanize the experience up front any way you can. I'm not saying that we have all the answers on all the ways that can Mm -hmm. be done, that can be done. Um, So get creative, but, you know, obviously you have these one-to-one zoom sessions on the one-to-one basis, or you can schedule a webinar to kick off your group program and get everyone on and hope they answer or ask some questions and really engage on it as well. Uh, Anything you can do to get your face in Mm -hmm. front of people, get your voice in front of people, because there's, there's just an extra layer, even if it's audio, like you were talking about with podcasting, there's extra heat to that. There's an extra layer of like empathy you can hear in someone's voice or just, just if you feel different about someone, about your relationship with them, when you've heard them talk about things and how they really think um, their tone towards Mm -hmm. certain things, it just, it just has an impact. Um, So anything you can do there. So one last question I have for you on this, because I think this is also gets down to the kind of misconception we've talked about before of kind of you know, or the, I'd say the insecurity of coaches sometimes going remote or asynchronous and thinking it's like a cheaper version or that you're trying to like, uh, you know, augment value or find as much value as they can. I think, so here's a question for you. Um, Do you find, or do you think that video-based synchronous conversations, so say you and I were coach client, Mm -hmm. less valuable or less effective than if we were sitting knee to knee in person? It's hard to say, to be totally honest. Um, I think, I think I would say they're not 
not less valuable for any reason, any particular reason. I mean, there's something to be said about people who communicate effectively in different ways and you don't get all of the body language right on a, on a zoom call that you do. If you get to sit down with someone, shake their hand, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really kind of you're in a room with them. There's just something about being in a room with someone that's a little extra, Yeah, but that's kind of really, really deep down the road of building the relationship. Mm -hmm. I think there's just so much you can accomplish over zoom and digital, digital meetings that the difference doesn't need to be a big deal. Seems negligible at this point. There are potentially advantages of being on Zoom, for example. So say I was just starting to work with a client, um, I could pull up and share a screen and talk through what we're going to be, what it's going to be looking like, what I'm going to be seeing when they start using the app, for example, um, if we're using something like Nudge to work together. Um, All these things where I can set a lot of extra context that would be just sort of awkward Mm -hmm. in a knee-to-knee conversation. Um, so, I mean, there are advantage, advantages, so take advantage of, of those when you see them. Because I felt like there used to be a stigma, and I think we used to always rank kind of, when we were thinking about initiatives, like different variables or factors that would shape kind of engagement or engagement kind of pitfalls as we're getting initiatives going. And I remember we used to put more emphasis on kind of the in-person versus video versus telephonic, which a huge difference between telephonic versus I'd say I'm going to lump video and in-person together mm-hmm. in this case, but I, I really feel like in a 2020, maybe part of it, the difference, the perceived difference between in-person and video, I think is gone. If there was ever a stigma, I think it's behind us now. I'd even argue that a person may even just be more comfortable calling in to a video from their own home so that you know, some of the maybe things you thought you were reading into on a person when they were, you know, first doing a session with you and, and, you know, knee to knee may have been almost atypical because it's not, you know, it's a new place they've been sitting in. Whereas right now, if you were my coach and I'm calling in from, you know, from my house, you know, you're still able to kind of see my facial expressions, my body language in a lot of ways, but I'm also kind of maybe I'm more likely to get my walls down because I'm also in the safety of my own home. Yeah. So and even, just, even one better, and this was not yeah. my point. This is, this came from the conversation with Brittany, which will be out in a couple of weeks. Um, so she mentioned that she's, she's been in like, or her coaches have kind of been in a lot of their clients' homes because they're doing these zoom meetings. Right. And they see their dog fly by, or they yeah. see their toddler run by screaming and really get a sense of what their life, their environment is like at home. Mm-hmm. That also further strengthens their ability to relate to that person and coach them more effectively because they're inside the home with them. I completely agree that they, I'd say the silver lining to everything going on right now is that we're all going through it. We're all going through the same thing of there's a kid screaming in the background, <laughs> or in my case, my cat is screaming at me from across the house. Um, you know, Wi-Fi goes out, phones yeah. rings. I, the best now is, and I see this all the time now, deli- Amazon delivery people ring the doorbell. That's like the new thing. That's kind of like yeah. the baby crying in the background. That's the new thing <laughs> is the uh, the Amazon delivery guy. Yeah. All of these things break down barriers and make people seem more real. Yeah. And I mean, once something like that happens, you felt like mm-hmm. the mood in a room relaxed, like everybody kind of the walls come down for not just yep. the person who it happened to, but everybody, because like, okay, all the pretense is done. My mask is off. People know yep. who I am. 
how am I going to have my walls up when this guy has a baby screaming at him or there's a cat on this guy's shoulder? I just, you know, like I said, I think we're all going through it, but I, I do think there is, there is an opportunity with this. And I think it's something where there, there almost is a value or a benefit in that case of maybe the stigma has gone. Video can be just as effective. And like I said, in, if we're, as we're thinking about or mapping out synchronous events, um, interesting to see kind of which ones may be more impactful or more effective. Yep. Yep. Okay. So quick recap, humanize the experience up front. Let's make sure we earn trust, earn the relationship so that we can transition to more and more asynchronous communication down the line. And there's no reason that online or remote coaching can't be every bit as valuable and arguably more valuable because of the types of communication you can do now um, than working in person with someone. How do we do? Did you record that? Well, that was like the show notes right there. You should That's just going to be, yeah, I'm just going to clip that Oops. show notes, paste, done. Make sure you also add about my struggles finding Instagram live in the update because we I will just, do we that. Make you know, sure while, we're, out there. while we're on that point. So mm-hmm. um, I, published a couple podcasts lately, obviously. Yeah. Dropping links into the show notes. And usually I don't have to write oh, out yeah. the URL. Um, but for some reason, when I uploaded this last one to Apple Podcasts specifically, <clears throat> the links were not in there. They and only it, yeah. for some people. For some people and not for others. So yeah. For me the why links is were that? perfectly fine. For Mac, no links. For poor Kathleen, who gave it's us like all that the time. Twilight Zone here. It's like totally. what—that's just. I I still think the beauty of technology is still kind of how we're, yeah, there's this perception that things are like perfected. <laughs> it it is a modern miracle that things sometimes work the the way platforms work. I mean, it, it yeah. is kind of incredible to me sometimes. So yeah. the fact that even companies like Apple can maybe have a little hiccup in the podcast app makes me a little bit happy. So there we go. I'm sure we're going to get a, a stern message from Apple. Like, Oh, you just did something wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> probably our fault. User error, but I will figure out Instagram live. Sorry about that. We will be back next week at a more appropriate time. Sorry. We were a bit late on today's. So yeah, that's right. We're easing people into the new three o'clock start time. Three, um, yeah, that's true. Three. Yeah. Well, remember it's 3 PM ish. Eastern time, because very rarely are we actually three o'clock. That's right. Three ish be on for the, the next 20 minutes after three. starts. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, this was awesome. All right. That's another episode of the nudge cast. Again, lots more coming in the next couple of weeks, guys with, uh, Oh God, Karen Paddock. Um, well, we got Brittany that we talked about plenty. Um, oh my gosh, who else? We've just talked to everybody. Uh, don't miss that episode we just put out with Kathleen. Go back to it if you want to learn about using challenges to get clients in your business. Um, and hey, we've got another mastermind coming up. So if this program builder idea sounds interesting to you, you want to learn about building, automating your programs online, learning how to do that more effectively, got another cohort probably coming in December. Little teaser there. I'll give you guys a link in the show notes for that as well. Other than that, we'll catch you again next time, guys. Bye, guys.